Hey guys, before we start this episode, I wanted to talk to you about Type 1 Lifting. So Type 1 Lifting is a clothing line that proceeds of the shirts and tanks and everything else goes to the Children's Diabetes Foundation. So um, this all came about with me and seeing a five-year-old girl in the emergency department uh, that had a new onset of diabetes. So uh, just take a look at the website. It's www type1lifting.com so just check it out if you don't buy anything that's perfectly fine uh, I would just like for you just to take a look and just see what we have so like I said before www.type1lifting.com and guys I hope you enjoy the show What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Type 1 Lifting Podcast. I have another friend of mine, fellow diabetic, Jeffrey Hewitt. Hewitt? Yeah, I got, I got it right. Sorry. You got, you got it with Hewitt. Hewitt, Hewitt. Sorry. My, my apologies. How's everything going? Everything is good. You know, uh, despite what is all going on right now, um, you know, th- this summer has not been too different than any other summer I've had because... I am a teacher, so a lot of time at home, a lot of time with my kids, a lot of walks, hitting the trails, just hanging out. So not too bad. How about yourself? I'm doing all right. You know, I'm working from home, so I work as a recruiter full time. I don't think a lot of people know that. And so I'm just like literally working in my bedroom on an ironing board with two boxes on it. So that's my standing desk. And then our gyms are open down in Atlanta. I don't know if they are up up in your area, but... Um, so I'm able to work out like every morning around like 5.30 in the morning to like 7 and then just go back home, work out, get the kids breakfast and then just keep on plugging away at work and that's it. Perfect. That, that sounds that sounds wonderful. Yeah. Our, our gyms are, are open. Um, I stay in my garage though, so it works for me and that's, it's kind of become a family thing, so that's cool. Yeah. So so with your gym, your, your garage gym, what do you, so what do you have in it? I know you have a squat cage, a power rack, oh, it was a power rack, whatever. And like, what else do you have in there? Okay. Um, well, it has evolved over the years, that's for sure. Yeah. I was actually thinking about this earlier today. Um, it started around nine years ago. I started buying equipment just because um, I want to be around my kids more and have uh, them involved. Um, and not have to drive anywhere. Um, but yeah, power rack. I have a rower in there, an Airdyne, a reverse hyper, a yoke, uh, a log for some strongman stuff, a circus dumbbell, too many barbells, a few specialty bars. Um, it's, it's one of those things where it's like I spend money on gym stuff and shoes. So I'm I'm one of those guys. Yeah, you know? yeah. Socks, I, is, socks is a close third, though. I will, I will put that in there. Yeah, good socks. Yeah, I I've been I actually when I was a trainer before the recruiting job, I was accumulating all like the stuff that were getting thrown out, and so I would literally just take it and just like refurbish it. Like I have a med ball that's like wide open. I just put duct tape over it, and like there you go. And it's the only problem. If the, I like working out in my basement. The only problem is. In Georgia heat, it gets so humid down there. It's you you can't you can't breathe. So it's like I might as well just work out in the morning at the gym, and then you know maybe do it at night. Because when when all the gyms were shut down, I was actually working in my basement uh, 
working out my basement around like 8 8 p.m. to 10 p.m. because that's the only time I can get a workout. And it was still like super, super humid. So it was like really hard to even do anything really. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, and where I am in Oregon, it's uh, where I'm in Southern Oregon, so like an hour north of the California border. Um, in the mornings, it stays pretty cool, and uh, so I, I've been training. My wife trains before me, um, and then I normally get down there around eight or nine in the morning. So nice little hour there. And once school year starts, I'll be back in the afternoon, and it gets a little bit warmer, but no humidity though. Yeah, well, you're very lucky. I, that's one place I do want to check out, or Oregon. I, I heard that place is absolutely beautiful. It is. I. Uh, the funny thing is that the house we're living in now is the longest I've ever lived in one place. So I'm on year 13 here in this little town that we're in, and this has become home. So it's pretty cool. I'm pretty happy. Nice. Now, yeah. now you're a fellow T1D, so when did you get diagnosed as a diabetic? Okay, so I was diagnosed in... Early February 1991, so almost 30 years, and you want to give you the whole yeah go all that happened. Go okay. go for it, yeah. Cool. Um, so I was playing basketball before and after, or mostly after games. I felt so sluggish. There was a few times walking back to the parking lot. Um, I need I needed my mom to help carry me and walk there. I think my blood sugars were probably sky high. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I was losing weight. I didn't, we didn't think anything of it or anything like that. Um, next thing I know, um, I broke my ankle, which is a blessing in disguise. So got all casted up. Um, going to get my ankle checked with the cast on just because the cast was getting so loose. Mm-hmm. Um, and the doctor weighed me with the cast on and everything else. And I was 20 pounds lighter um, in that early February time, I broke my ankle in January. Um, so I went from like 115 pounds at 12 to 95 pounds, um, where I just could not hold anything in, um, just urinating way too much, uh, feeling sick to my stomach. And, you know, that, that was back in the good old days with like the guillotine lancets. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it was that day or those days, um, the one thing that really sticks out to me though about my diagnosis is that the moment we were told I was diabetic, um, you know, the, then we go to the endocrinologist's office in uh, San Diego County at the time, and the guy's name, Louis, Louis Linarelli was his name, um, and he was very upfront with uh, the things that could go well, the things that could go bad, um, gave us the option of either handling it at home at first or going to the hospital and my parents elected for us to just go home um you know we're gonna face this thing head on and i have distinct memories of my dad in his white dress shirt sweating through it getting ready to give me my first shot you know, practice on orange and practice on the orange a number of times with just water and then gave me the shot but it was one of those things where it's like I couldn't have been more grateful for having the opportunity just to go home because my parents were like we're going to take this on um, and you know being thankful for my parents I, I can't be thankful enough um, with uh, 
the different things that they've pushed me or ignored almost. Mm -hmm. So diabetes was never a thing that got in the way. So I won't. I'm going to play football. All right, fine. We're playing football. We're going to play basketball. We're going to do that. Lacrosse, everything, surfing, no big deal. Um, You just have this little hiccup that we're going to get over, around, or through. So it was never a big deal. So. Okay. Yeah. Well, so with with your with your sports coaches like the football, basketball, and lacrosse. So did you let them know like, hey, I'm a diabetic, and did they kind of get an idea of like what it's like, or like they were they had no clue of like what was going on? Um, it, at different levels, they had different experiences with it. Um, so I remember my mom had this giant packet from the ADA um, explaining diabetes and. Then she had like a goodie bag. I always, my go-to low treat, my low uh, fuel source were Snickers bars, mm-hmm. which were not, weren't always the best, but I went Snickers, Snickers bars as a kid. And so the packet with the bag of Snickers bars would go to my coaches. <laughs> um, and that happened all through high school. Um, my freshman coach, his dog, my freshman football coach, his dog, ate through some of them. So that was kind of wacky. Uh, but lucky enough for me, when I made it through college, my college coaches had a lot of experience with it. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were also some of the uh, professors in the health department. Okay, cool. PE department, yeah. which was really nice. And they helped keep me on track. And it was never this big thing. You know, it was just nothing extra special was made for me it was never planned out um yeah it was never really a concern yeah so where did you when you were t- when you're hanging out with your friends and stuff they were they always like asking you hey can i can i shoot you up or whatever like that or n- any of those questions um well early on i didn't fu- i didn't fully understand what it really entailed what diabetes was I knew and that was in like the caveman days of NPH and R um, and whether this was right or wrong I don't know but you know you give yourself your R and your N in the morning kind of hope it carries through um, do the same thing at dinner time and pretty much just chasing blood sugars um, but it was never I don't know they knew but it was never like um, let's let's give Jeff a shot uh, later on in like college and stuff, it was yeah for sure. Yeah, it was. It's that was like me. My wife always wants to inject insulin in me all the time, but like, I think I think she's only done it. I think maybe four times since I've been a diabetic. And granted, all four times are me driving and we're eating something, and so I, she has to shoot it in my shoulder. And so then that because I really don't want to drive and like try to shoot up at the same time. So right, and then. <laughs> Do you use pens or syringes? I, I use pens. Well, I used I used to, I used both a little bit. So I actually had a. I was very great, 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 grateful that my. Um, I have a neighbor down the street. He's a type one diabetic. He had two vials of Hemolog, that he wasn't even using. So he's like, "Hey, you want them?" And I'm like, "All right, cool." And so I just went to the drugstore across this, like down the street and was like, "Hey, can I get like a package of, you know, syringe needles?" And they're like, "Yeah, it's like two bucks." And I'm like, "All right, cool." And so I just use that for a little bit, but I I use pens most of the time, and I prick my finger all the time. So, but I'm in the process of trying to get a pump and a CGM. So okay. we'll see what happens. Yeah, um, I went 
So I've, I've tried using pens before. Uh, for me, for my preferences, I'm not a fan. Just I'm not really sure why, but maybe I'm old, old school because I, uh, I did a pump. I did a CGM for a while, but I've been back on uh, no CGM and just shots probably for six six years again now. Mm-hmm. So it works, and that's what that's what people need to find is what works for them. Yeah. How, sure. how many times do you check your blood sugar a day? Um, how does too many sound? I, I like, um, I'll take that. <laughs> no, actually, this funny thing is my daughter and I had this conversation the other day because she was asking me some questions about it. And uh, she asked, you know, well, how many do you have to do? I said, well, you know, when I was first diagnosed, they told me to do three at least, you know, breakfast, lunch, dinner. Um, but you do it more. I'm like, yeah. Well, how come? Just because I like to know there's, you know, pre-workout, post-workout, pre-meal, post-meal sometimes, mm-hmm. before bed. If I get up in the middle of the night sometimes. It, yeah, it, it's a variable, you know. Too many times is probably a safe bet. Yeah. Yeah, I try to do at least like five to six. So, you know, and see if it works. Now, do have you gotten your kids tested for the diabetes trade at all or have you ever heard of that um i have heard of that and i want to say oh jeez. um i i, uh, I want to say something in my blood work allowed my doctor just to tell me not to worry about it i could be totally wrong though and i i don't know yeah you know, we we have had those funny occasions where it's like Oh my goodness, they're acting funny. Let's test their blood sugar, and you know, because the heart sinks a little bit because it's like, ooh, I know what that looks like. Mm-hmm. I felt like that before. Yeah, um, you know, so yeah, I had we had we had one scare with my son. He's five. Well, he was four at the time, so he was at at preschool and he was like peed like four times in like the one like the in a, like a three to four hour span, and so I. I got really nervous about it, so I checked his blood sugar. It was completely normal. And come to find out, we would give him baths all the time, and like the dirty water would irritate his, you know, his, his penis, and so that's what made him go to the bathroom. So we were like, like, okay, that that's good. So, but we did get both of our kids tested. Well, actually, we got my son tested so far, and he doesn't have the the trait in it yet. So it it may happen later on, but it doesn't look like it. So, and I think right. next year we're gonna do it with our with our daughter. She just turned. She's gonna turn two at the end of the month. So, yeah. yeah. So I'm 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 really grateful, and I've heard there's like supposedly statistics out that are saying that if you get diabetes after like 25, that it's less likely your kids are gonna get it. So I'm I I I gotta get the data up for that. I I don't remember, it, but I that's what my wife was like looking up, and she said that you know it's just maybe a slim chance that like both our kids will get it, which is you know a good thing because. This this cannot be fun. This is not fun. Fun and games all the time. No, no, not at all. Um, no, that that you know, I that you say that the the fun and games and being diagnosed and all that kind of stuff. Um, it, it's quite interesting, that's for sure. And you know, as much as I'd love for other people to kind of understand what it's like or what it is. Um, to really live it is the only true way I think to understand. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I I would not 
especially in my early days with the disease, I would not wish that on anybody. Um, the ups and the downs, the feeling sick, the not knowing, the hoping, the wishing, um, the guilt. Because uh, um, I found in my early days, I would be so upset with myself because I knew I wasn't doing what I should have been doing. And that guilt was super heavy. Mm-hmm. And I, I still feel like um, I see that a lot. And it, it hurts my heart to see adults that go that route as well. So, yeah, it's not always easy, but it's what we make of it. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I try to make it. Po- I, I mean, I try to make it into a positive. You know, try to help other people and showing other people like, hey, look what I can do. You know, you can do the same exact thing. You know, even though you have this disability, don't worry about it. And that's how I started that, the t-shirt company and now this podcast. So just to let everybody know, like, hey, there's other type one diabetics out here that that are amazing people and do amazing things and you know and here's their story so maybe some of these stories can like you know you know you can pretty much be like oh this is the exact same story like me so you know for sure yeah and i i definitely think of it as a blessing i know some people think i'm crazy for thinking that um but the amount of responsibility it taught me in my younger years whether i was taking the best care of myself or not there was still some level of responsibility um, and then just overall, I think my health is better than most anyways, mm-hmm. more active. I pay attention to, you know, sleep, uh, hydration, um, what I put in my mouth, all kinds of things. So yeah, I'm thankful for it. Yeah, I am. I am too. So, but, uh, let's go into the fitness part. So you, you do more of like a, you kind of like do like more of like a powerlifting strongman style of working out in your garage. I, I do, um, and I, I like to keep things pretty basic, um, pretty simple. I don't, I don't get too fancy. Um, you know, do you mind if I start with go for the backstory it. a little bit? Yeah, go for it. So I started training when I was 14 years old for athletics, you know, and even as a sophomore in high school, I kind of fell in love with the training aspect of it. Mm-hmm. Squatting was my favorite thing. Um, sometimes I'll squat like four times a week, which, you know, whatever. Um, and I was lucky enough at the time, I didn't know who he was within the training world. Um, but I was lucky enough to have Mike Bergner as my high school strength and conditioning coach. Stop it, really? Yeah, it was awesome. Oh, that's um, awesome. Yeah, so, you know, doing like things like cleans and snatches were a norm for our football training. Um, it was pretty cool to watch because he would take certain players and it wasn't necessarily like the best players on the field or the kids that were always doing so so great Um, and he would put together an Olympic weightlifting team with those guys at the high school level which was so cool to watch Um, if I could go back in time and spend a little more time doing that I would but my sole focus was football and basketball at the time Mm -hmm. basketball is funny being you know, 5'10-ish and thinking you're a power forward. But <laughs> so, I, yeah, I always, I, I fell in love with the process of getting stronger. Um, it's kind of like the whole thing, okay, be able to jump, be able to sprint, be able to move some weight. That evolved into college, and then when I was playing in college, 
similar thing. I enjoyed the training aspect. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed off season so much more than in season. Um, I just loved the gym. And then for a while there, post college, um, I did the running thing, which is pretty funny, um, just because I'm not a very good runner. Uh, put my tried my hand at cyclocross um, and mountain biking. It was just one of those things where it's like, how can I push myself? Um, and then I started lifting again at a, just a normal global gym here in my town. Um, wasn't really into uh, like a bodybuilding split or anything like that. I found myself reverting back to uh, you know squatting, benching, deadlifting, and pressing. Um, there wasn't any place to do power cleans, so I didn't really do those. Mm-hmm. But you know, just keeping things pretty basic, um, and then that evolved into me actually sitting at my endocrinologist's office looking at a Southern Oregon magazine and there was an article about a CrossFit gym. Um, So I was like, oh cool, let's check that out. So that was 2009. Um, So I went and the first movement, oh geez, those overhead squats and pull-ups and some kind of running. And my shoulder mobility is awful. so overhead squats and I do not agree. It was, it was just bad. I had to put plates underneath my heels to be able to get down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that evolved into me uh, just training at a CrossFit gym here in my town and then start my own garage thing. Uh, but you know, I, I keep things simple. I press, I push, I pull. Um, every once in a while, I will enter a powerlifting me or a strongman competition um, luckily now with strongman um, I'm a masters because of my age mm-hmm. um, so that's kind of cool uh, but no yeah that's, I just enjoy training the competing thing um, it's what it is you know uh, it's fun but it's not the end all be all yeah. I'd rather be able yeah. to train and push myself um, see little increments of uh things increasing strength increasing still being able to sprint uh it's funny one of the each year on my birthday i will depending on where i'm teaching i've taught at a bunch of different schools on my birthday i will go on the gym and see if i can still touch a basketball rim so okay if i can touch the if i can touch the rim still i'm good yeah um there was one year a few years ago where that didn't happen i was really hard on myself so that, that's the goal <laughs> yeah can I sprint can I jump can I touch the basketball rim still yeah so. yeah I try to I try to dunk once because I'm 6'6 six, six, so I try to dunk at least once in a while and there's been a couple times I try it and it's like oh man like my I've done way too much squatting because I used to like back in high school and college I used to be able to do like 360s and all that stuff but like, now it's it's like Granted, I, I don't really touch a basketball that often, so it's like, okay, I mean, I'm getting close. I'm getting close not to doing it, but I understand why it's not able. I'm not able to do it. So, right. But it, it's it's interesting, and also with the masters class, I I love, I loved it after like I hit 35 and over. It's like you're in the masters class. You're like, oh okay, so I can st- I'm in like the lower bracket now of like all these other people, so I can kind of do maybe a little bit better, you know, hopefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. I- it was a it was a weird adjustment to being like a master's athlete because part of me st- still feels like 
uh, in Strongman, um, see, Strongman has weight classes. Yeah. So they're in the amateur ranks. Um, I normally compete like sub 231 or 220. Um, and uh, it's just, there's some some dudes that are super strong at the 231s that drop like 20 pounds and to make weight and I've I have a buddy who's like man why don't you just cut down below 200 pounds and I don't see I don't ever see that happen mm-hmm. so, yeah yeah plus it's it's a hobby I'm yeah gonna, uh, put myself through that for a hobby yeah exactly you're doing it for fun it's just it's not like you're trying to win like, not like you're trying to win but you're trying to do good and see where you're at and like you're not like trying to I, I wouldn't even want to like drop weight to get to a class it's like not even worth it it's like what what am I gonna win I'm in my 40s I'm gonna win a medal like it, oh I'm, let me put that on my Instagram feed or something like that it's like no it's 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 pointless just like I, I like the way I, my weight I am, I am right now and you probably like the weight the weight that you are right now so it's like why why mess around with it exactly and plus you're gonna drop 20 pounds and be miserable so oh yeah uh, the funny thing is uh, a mentor of mine a few years ago we were on a walk and we are talking and he asked me something about weight and I'm like yeah you know let's drop me down to 200 pounds he's like you'll look sick and I didn't hear like hey you'll look sick like actually sick <laughs> I heard like sick like awesome that would be great so yeah that, that then afterwards it's like oh that's not what he meant <laughs> Yeah, so so you actually coach people. Uh, I know you get your precision nutrition certification. So I've actually I've actually been curious of getting that. So what are like what was your experience of getting that certification? Um, so it, it's it was all the tests and all that those types of things were virtual. There are videos. It comes with a big old thick textbook. Um, it's not one of those certificates that just like takes a weekend mm-hmm. um, you have to read up on it at first I thought okay fine I'm just going to jump on and answer the questions be no big deal um, and then it's like wait a minute I need to I need to study up on these types of things because it goes into uh, you know the Krebs cycle and all those types of things um, it's definitely more of a science based uh, certificate and mm-hmm. program um I was pleased with it. I still reference uh, my textbooks every once in a while. Um, and it's a good resource. And, you know, one, one of the better uh, advantages for me is that there is a group on Facebook and people throw out different ideas and questions. And checking those out sometimes is great for me just mm-hmm. because some people have different ideologies and different places and different people they work with. Um, yeah, it was one of those ones where I was like, okay, I probably should have a certificate because I, I have coach without one, and um, yeah, it, overall I think it lays a pretty good level of knowledge and it's people first rather than just sciency mm-hmm. when it does come to working with people. Nice. That, does that make sense? Yeah, you know it does. So, do you have to recertify like every two years, or is this just like once you get the certification, like that's it? Um, it is a re. You do have to recert. Um, off the top of my head, I'm not sure exactly how long you have. Um, 
I've had mine since 2017, mm-hmm. so less or longer than three years so far. So. Yeah. All right. Cool. Very cool. And then uh, you also you also train people as well. So um, how do you train people, and like what kind of style of training do you teach teach people? Okay, um, that's another long winded answer. Because, have uh, at it. <laughs> when, I, when I got involved with the CrossFit gym, I was kind of like uh, I didn't necessarily fit into the classes. Mm-hmm. That's not how I wanted to train. Um, so I don't know if you. Uh, the whole OPT. Yep. Uh, okay. So the gym owner and I followed the big dog blog back in the 2009, 2010. Um, and I like how that was straightforward, um, rest breaks and things like that. And then, um, that evolved into me just pretty much running five, three, one for myself, um, keeping conditioning like sprints. And so, what I brought to the gym that I, because I started off working there, um, what I brought was this different take on strength and being biased. So we ran some strongman classes. Uh, I helped with the programming. Um, then that has since evolved into uh, me working with people online. And it all depends on where a person is. Mm-hmm. Most people, what they need that I find is they need a structured strength program and some structured food. Um, most people, it does them really well by lift weights and eating protein. Um, just those, those simple things sometimes can be the biggest differences. Mm-hmm. Um, and it all depends too on what their goals are. You know, are they, they want to perform at a certain level or per- certain activity? Um, are they looking for uh, aesthetics are they looking to gain weight lose weight um, a lot of it depends on what they want to do um, and then we just go from there um, right now I just got involved with a new gym in my town and I'm gonna be helping with some nutrition with their clients and uh, just go from there and uh, the option of me doing some strength biased work is there and we'll I'll see how that goes mm-hmm. awesome so when you get a new client how do you start the process do you like do you have them like do videos and record them and then send them to you and just kind of critique them with like certain like strength movements at all or um with with the compound movements yes and it all depends on what their background is and what they what they want out of it um, so I like to be as hands-on as possible, um, especially with you know something like a squat or deadlift mm-hmm. um, or pressing movements. You know, I use the whole coach's eye thing, so you can break down the movements. And uh, the biggest part is I mostly have trans. The last few years, the last six years, I've transitioned into more of the nutrition aspect. Mm-hmm. Um, because most people, um, unless they're have no idea what they're doing, lifting or working out are normally okay. Um, but it's the nutrition side of things that can be quite confusing and overwhelming. Yeah. I mean, you Google anything these days and it's like everything works and nothing works at the same time. 
Yeah. You like Google weight loss and there's like like two million things that pop up or like right off the bat. And like for me, when I had my clients, they'd ask about diets. I'd be like, listen, you know, I can tell you one diet and it may work for you or or your friends, but it may not work for another person. So I really don't want to give you, you know, my thing, my two, my two cents into it, because I'd rather you have you get somebody that has, like, a that's certified and actually kind of knows a better understanding. Because to me personally, like, I, I'm not the greatest in nutrition. I mean, I eat like an a hole once in a while, but that's you know, it happens. But like, I want to get more into like understanding it more in like you know macros, what I need and whatnot. But you know, typically for me, I just eat the same thing over and over and over again every day. Because then that's when I know my blood sugars are. So. And, you know, to be very simple, that's what most people need to do as well. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, if you think about the average person, a lot of people will under eat Monday through Friday and then the weekends, everything goes out the window and, you know, then they just get frustrated. You know, the, the ups and the downs on the food. Um, yeah, so building in consistency is huge whether it's training, sleeping, hydration, uh, stress, food, blood sugars. You know, I mean, I've probably found, you know, being consistent has been the best thing for my diabetes mm -hmm. ever, you know, so, yeah. So when you, when you get uh, new clients, how do you get them to buy into what you're preaching? Um, really play on the part why they're there. You know the, the true reason they're there or why why we're working together mm -hmm. you know a lot of people you know it's why well, i want to lose weight well losing weight you know because you know say we get down to that number oh but i want to lose more weight or whatever there's normally something underlying right mm -hmm. okay um i want to lose weight depending on the person means i want to have more energy i want to be a better mom um i want to be do more with my job. Um, I won't feel confident. Um, so addressing those things after a while um, has garnered people results. You know, it, it's like I use I, I use the analogy like lifting weights. So thinking back on my own lifting career, um, if you can call it that. Um, so one of the numbers I was had stuck in my head forever was a 600 pound deadlift. All right, cool. Deadlift 600 pounds. Okay, now I want 650. Um, and it's just one of those things that keeps on going and going and going. Mm -hmm. And it's just like people stepping on the scale. Um, great, I lost this weight. Oh, you know, side pinch there. It's like, oh, I need to lose more weight too. Um, because they're, we're not addressing the real problem. Yeah. You know, and it's like me uh, not being happy at 600 pounds because I, I quit enjoying the process. Um, so that, that uh, trying to get people to understand why they're doing it and what they're doing um, rather than just dropping 20 pounds because everybody quote unquote needs to drop 20 pounds right yeah um, that's like the magic number right <laughs> and really the thing okay let, let's address and I know it's like nutrition coaching but really it's about addressing those other things yeah um, and that can be that can be a hard one sometimes when working with people and sometimes it throws them off because it's like well I just want to lose weight and look a certain way mm -hmm. but 
we have to address those other things to be able to get to where you want to go. Yeah. Does that, does that make sense? No, it does. I, I've actually had I've actually had one client, she was kind of pear shaped and that's her like her body feature. And she goes to me and says, I wanna look like that that lady. And she's like a rod. Just like like literally the size of my finger. And it's like and I even told her, I'm like, there's you're you're i I hate to break it to you, you're not gonna get there. Because just the way your body body form is. I mean, you can look you're gonna look fabulous, but it's you're not gonna get to that level. Like that's the way she is, and this is the way you are. So I mean, I mean, I've I've had some difficult clients, and I can imagine you've had some difficult clients as well. And how do how do you how do you handle those guys? Um, just try to be as straight up as possible. Um, and to be honest with you, sometimes it's a real struggle for me because mm-hmm. it's like I don't want to be that bad guy. Yeah. Um, it's very similar to when I'm working as a teacher, where it's like you just kind of we need some trust. Um, you know, there's a reason why they want to be, they're seeking out a coach. Um, and they're really just kind of like flipping it on them and try to ask questions, open-ended questions, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, to get them to give you the answer. Um, a lot of commands. So rather than, you know, Hey, how are you doing? Or it's like, Hey, explain to me what happened last night. Um, so little things like that, you know, with how we communicate um, with those people is vital and kind of just really that uh, accountability piece, mm-hmm. you know, having daily contact. Um, I found one thing that's helped me with uh, relationships with people I work with is me sharing about myself as well. Mm-hmm with the positives and negatives just you know it makes things relatable um because you know nobody's perfect i'm sure as heck not um and i've made plenty of mistakes with my own nutrition and that's that's a whole nother giant ugly chapter right there yeah. <laughs> talk about that um not unless you want to hear it but that's not that exciting no it's just really just having people feel positive about something about the relationship um, and keeping things safe. Yeah. You know? Mhm. Awesome. So on your on your Instagram feed, you have your kid you actually work out with your kids once in a while. So how do you get your kids cuz I'm 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 my 5-year-old, he's he sees all like the Olympic weightlifting videos that I put on like because I'm working from home and I put like YouTube videos on just to kind of like get another distraction like not a distraction but like just something in the background and he watches them so he uses my lacrosse stick as like power cleans and you know we're working on form and stuff but like when did you get your kids involved in like working out with you okay well that was probably ill seated with me when I was a kid just watching my dad Mm -hmm. or the best was going to a park with my dad and watching him play pickup basketball versus the young guys. Um, so that kind of grew, you know, I'm very thankful for my parents just because we've always, we were always active. Um, and for me, it's not really a choice. Um, it's just what we do. Yeah. Um, as far as getting the kids in the garage with me, um, it was one of those things where it's like, okay, my, my wife was a stay at home mom up until this year. And um, their time with me right when I get home is going to be an hour in the garage. Um, 
it never started off with me having them do anything. Mm-hmm. Like I, my hands are off. They're just they're down there with me. Um, sometimes there's a fight about it. Not necessarily a fight, but it's like, oh, do we have to? And then next thing you know, they're setting up obstacle courses. Um, my son uh, is like a spider monkey in with the the squat rack and all those types of things. Um, and my daughter, um, she's kind of interested in uh, any time that we have anything on television with, like, especially with, like, the CrossFit women. Mm-hmm. He takes notice and knows who is who and thinks the movements are pretty cool. Um, the funny thing is, this is not funny, but uh, my son has actually split his head open uh, two times in our garage when he was super young, uh, falling off the squat rack. Uh, but no, it, it's just kind of like a way, the way that we do things now. Um, you know, it, it's funny because we have a little play structure in our backyard and, you know, I have certain straps and chains in the garage and next thing I know I find them out in the grass and it's just just something that we do. It's some time in the garage together. Uh, we play air guitar listen to really bad heavy metal from the 90s nice um yeah it's just it's kind of something that we it's just become a norm now yeah mm-hmm. yeah so with my son we first started he we do this thing called next station so it'd be like a minute of work and then like 10 seconds to get to the other next station and then like another minute of work and so it's it's hilarious because like i'll stay in like one area and you'd watch him and I'm like, I'm like, okay, let's go next station. And he's like running around trying to figure out like what to do next. And like, we have these like three pound like dumbbells. And so he tries to do like shoulder presses or like curls or or something like that. Then he takes the lacrosse stick, and then like does does like power cleans. And then he goes to the elliptical that's not even on and just starts like pedaling on the elliptical just to something for him to move. And and the thing is, I don't force him to do any of this. Like this is not like I have no. I, that's my. I don't want to. I don't want to force him to be having be miserable and not like like working out. And so when he's done, he's like, "Okay, Dad, I'm done." I'm like, "Okay, you can go upstairs, watch Ryan, do what you need to do." So did, was that kind of like with the way you were with your kids too? Yeah, yeah. They would just join in and like if you know they. The funniest thing is when they design their own workouts on the whiteboard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I, I think it originally, it may have like really started with them being down there and one of the things I've had the longest in my garage as a prowler is they would they would take turns getting pushed on the prowler the next thing you know they're pushing the prowler and it's just just one of those things that goes and goes and goes and they enjoy it um, sometimes it turns into like funny games or just you know them picking stuff up the best is when uh my, my son gets very animated. He'll pick up like a 70 pound kettlebell um, and then scream. And I don't know where he gets the scream from because I'm pretty low key when yeah. I work out. Um, but it's just, the, it's very entertaining. It's some of my favorite times um, are in our, in our garage when we're together down there. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, awesome. Yeah, so uh, I yeah we also we also have like Olympic rings that we hang down. I do dips, and he'll he'll gang he'll like hang on it and start like swinging it like Tarzan. It's it's hilarious. Like I I love watching him work out, and then like I watch like like you said like like your daughter watches the CrossFit videos, and I watch them and I see these like strong, powerful girls that like 
are like very you know positive and energetic and they're like happy that like the way they are and i just like hope my daughter's like that too so you know for sure and you know one thing that's really helped is my wife um she trains in the garage now as well um that's probably been going probably a number of years um and that has really set uh a good example for both the kids as well Mm -hmm. you know as as parents you know they, they see what we do they emulate what we do whether it's good or bad and if they enjoy moving some weight around or jumping rope or whatever it is that we're doing um that's awesome so yeah do you mainly do maybe have do like body weight workouts or like use very very light weight or what's the um it depends it, it depends what they what they grab um sometimes with my son he will overreach a little bit <laughs> Um, so sometimes when I'm warming up for deadlifts and I have like 100, 135 pounds on there, he'll try to give the bar a tug, but it's like, okay, stop. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, then it'll be like, okay, if you want to do that, let's switch to the kettlebell and do that. Or why don't you jump onto this wall or, you know, why don't you push the prowler? It if they show interest in a movement and if they want to know how to do it, I'll help them. But other than that, uh, they're good. And their mobility is like ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I I hate them. I hate my kids with that. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, they'll, they could sit in a squat all day long. Um, and I, I, I can't. And so they don't understand why I can't. And so it's, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, I, my, my goal is I need to stretch more. That's my, my that's my problem. But I, I, I'm pretty mobile. But yeah, there's some positions like the slot press. If I'm like squatting all the way down on the front rack and I'm trying to press overhead, there's no way in hell I'm gonna get that over my head. It's gonna be like a, a 45 degree angle because this, I'm not that mobile. And that's one thing I told myself this year I wanted to work on. So I try to take like 20 minutes, like when I'm, while I'm working as a break and just like stretch. In my in my bedroom right now for like two like a minute per per stretch and just see if I can actually get better at it. No, for sure, and I I totally can relate to that. Um, I have a squat day tomorrow, and then I'm gonna back off for a while, and my main focus will be uh, mobilizing my shoulders, especially, and try to open up the hips a little bit more. Um, Part of me still likes the idea of trying to be able to uh, snatch again mm-hmm. comfortably um, and be able to be more comfortable in a front rack position uh, just because with the training I have been doing, I have ignored those things. Um, so, you know, not that I'm going anywhere with any of those things, but it's just like, okay, I, I want to be able to improve on these things. Yeah. Um, and the only way to improve upon them is by doing them. Mm-hmm. So how do you how do you what do you do for like mobility? Do you use like cross balls, the foam roller, or do you do like yoga? Like what's the kind of mobility that you like doing? Um, normally during like the regular a regular school year, not this last school year, obviously. Um, during my morning routine, I will open up my shoulders. Um, I use uh, like a trigger point ball. Okay. Um, I really get bound up in my shoulders and upper chest. Um, so I try to open that up as much as I can. I have a scraper tool that I use. Um, I find that really helpful with my uh, my Achilles and my calves. 
um, I bought a car buffer, a cheap little black conductor car buffer from mm-hmm. Amazon. Yeah. Uh, probably, I don't know, six years ago or so. Um, I use that to kind of help oscillate things. Um, my mother-in-law nice. um, gave me this hook type thing years ago. Um, to work on my shoulders as well because she had one at her house and we were talking about it one time. <laughs> um, but, you know, that and, you know, I'll stretch sometimes, not as much as I should. Uh, I really like, I've always kind of always liked doing some dynamic stretching before training. Um, you know, that was probably one of the biggest takeaways with working with Coach Bergner. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so I've been doing those, geez, since I was 14 years old, keyboard lifting, which uh, it's kind of ingrained in me. Whether yeah. or not they're doing what they should be doing or making me perform any better, I don't know. Um, but being able to move my feet quickly still at 41 is still kind of fun. So yeah. So did he te- did did he teach you the Bergner warm up like back when you were in high school, or did he learn that later on? You think? No, he had us do those types of drills. Um, we, I, I forget what they're called, but uh, what he calls them now. Um, but, you know, where you, you're partnered up and one person is in like a plank and the one person jump, oh, jumps over. Oh, junkyard dog. Okay. Um, he would have us do junkyard dogs. Um, and then I remember uh, at the end of each session, we would do... Uh, supermans and then uh, leg lifts and you know he would like give us 10 pound plates to use sometimes um, and just the, the things that would come out of his mouth were hilarious you know just the marine talk um, whenever we would do like conditioning day um, we could never leave a soldier behind or anything like that Yeah, um, just it was pretty cool and I wish that I would have known at the time what resource I had for me. Yeah, know? I mean, you always you. It's 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 funny. Like you have those scenarios that happen because you actually like talk, meet somebody and then you realize after you're like like you said, you're like, oh my gosh, I had this like wealth of knowledge in front of me. And I didn't even like use it to my full potential, or didn't even ask them any questions. And that happens all the time. And you know, like, like for example, like there, I, I met um, Mike McGoldrick at my friend's gym because he's down in Atlanta now. And I, I said, hey man, like you know, I really loved your Barbell Shrugged podcast while you were on it with like Cal Dietz. And like I told him about my pack podcast, and the that's like you're one of the reasons, you're one of the people that reasons why I started this. And like I wanted to talk to him more, but like we're in an area that. Like it was an open house, so I didn't want to bother him. Plus, he had his like little kid. He just had his newborn with him too, and I'm like, okay, I'll just you know, say, like, hey, nice to meet you, and like, big fan of you, and that that's pretty much it. But I wanted to talk to him like forever, but you know, this is just not the time and the place. No, I I totally get that. Yeah. So, um, so we're getting towards the end of the podcast. So I just have a couple quick questions. So, do you have any goals that you want to hit by the end of the year? Um, like fitness wise or like just pretty much anything with like diabetes too um, diabetes um, I'll start there uh, just maintain my A1C uh, right now I'm in the low fives and I want I want to keep it there nice um, yeah uh, fitness wise just keep plugging away 
um, and kind of turn off the brain where it's like thinking about numbers, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, I, whether or not I'm going to compete again, who knows? It's just, just enjoying what I'm doing. Yeah. Awesome. And then, uh, do you have a favorite book that you like to read or would you like to give out as a gift for people? Uh, my favorite book, that, that's an easy one, The Giving Tree. Okay. Yeah. All right, very cool. Uh, yeah, that that one, um, or As a Man Cometh as well. Um, that's not a bad one. Uh, yeah, but definitely The Giving Tree. Okay, very cool. Yeah, yeah. Very cool. I know, I know it's a kid's book, but... Hey, you know man. What? Hey, that's it's all good. I did that's a that's a good that's a good book to read. So that's very so. yeah. And so the last two questions. So where can people reach you on Instagram on like Instagram or social media if they have any questions like they want to ask you? Yeah, um, my handle is just Jeffrey Hewitt. Um, I'm on there. Um, and then if somebody has a question about anything, they can hit me up with a message or anything like that. Um, I am not 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 necessarily new to the whole social media thing, but I'm a few decades behind with it. <laughs> not really sure what I'm doing on there. And that's all good. I mean, it, it it's always it's always reinventing itself. So it's like you just it's like everyone thinks they're an expert at it, then all of a sudden something new happens. And you're like, all right, back to square one again. So yeah, I, I'm in, in the, the game. Past, I'm in the same in boat the as you. Yeah. In the past, I always went kind of by uh, word of mouth, mm-hmm. um, and I, I don't know, it, the whole marketing thing, to be honest with you, I'm not so great at, um, but hey, if somebody has questions, ask, and I'll answer them. Yeah. Whether I can help them or not, you know, I'll try, and if I can't, I'm not going to try to fudge it, that's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, last question. So, okay. what would you tell... A new onset on new onset diabetic, what to expect for the rest of his life, or rest of his or her life? Um, they are their biggest variable. How they approach things, um, you know, how they do things. It, it's it all starts with attitude. Um, yeah, I, the one thing that kind of popped in my brain a handful of years ago just because I'm in all those Facebook groups and things like that mm-hmm. um, is to work with the disease rather than against it. Mm-hmm. I feel like there's too many people that work against it and fight it rather than accepting it. And um, so kind of just take like a step back and really see how they, uh, their behavior and everything that they do affects their results. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, I could talk on that for like an hour. <laughs> that was the last question. No, uh, I, but no, it's just like you're your biggest variable. You know how you do things, how you, you think about it. Uh, it's all it's all vital. Yeah, awesome. Well, thank you very much for being on the podcast. I, I really truly mean it, and it's we've talked before, and you know I'm really glad we actually got to talk a little bit more about you. So I really do appreciate it, and I'd love to have you back on at another time. Thanks, Tom. It's been wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I appreciate everything that you're doing with uh, T-shirt sales and then sharing stories of people. Um, it's special, and it, it makes people uh, not feel like they're the only ones. Mm-hmm. So. 
yeah, that that's the goal. And I wanted to make sure that everyone, you know, knows there's there's awesome other diabetics out there. So, and he's also wearing another. He's also wearing a type one shirt, type one lifting shirt as well. So for this at podcast episode, but. <laughs> Yeah. So I was, I was wearing the baseball tee earlier today too. So. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. yeah. He he has multi. He bought multiple shirts, which I'm like absolutely grateful for him doing that. So in which he doesn't have to do that, but I I really do thank you for that. No, it, it, it's all good. You know, it it goes to a good cause, um, and you know, I couldn't. I appreciate supporting a good movement. So thank you. Yeah. No problem. All right, man. Well, thank you again, and I will talk to you later. Cool.